0: Hey guys, my name's Stu. I'm the worship pastor here at HTBB Church. And whether you're watching today as part of our Sunday service, or whether you are tuning in midweek and catching up on YouTube, it's great to be speaking to you. Growing up, I was a pretty good kid. I was the blue-eyed, blonde-haired, quiet, obedient little boy, but only when I was in public. Outside of the house, absolute angel. Behind closed doors with my family, absolute nightmare. And on days when I was particularly pushing my parents' buttons, my mom would turn to me and she would say, My patience with you is wearing thin. Now, my mom is a patient person, so I'm not really sure I ever saw the other side of her thin patience, but I think I'm okay with that. I wonder today, is your patience wearing thin? It's not often that the whole world collectively is waiting on one thing. And if you're anything like me, you'll be asking, when will this pandemic be over? When can we scrap the new normal and go back to the normal normal? Turns out global pandemics, they require quite a lot of patience. Today, we're going to read a passage, James chapter 5, verses 7 to 11. Let's read together. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. My talk today is called, Give Me Patience and Give Me It Now. We all need patience, right? Whether it's for the car that's one in front and they've not noticed that the traffic light has gone green already, or whether it's on WhatsApp where we see the two blue ticks and the person hasn't replied, why have they not replied? Or maybe it's that your internet has dropped for the seventh million time this week, and you're due on a Zoom call in five minutes. And then there's the things in our lives which are a bit more important than that, a bit bigger, and require patience too, like waiting for a job opportunity, or for financial breakthrough, Or maybe you need patience in a family dynamic that's going on at the moment. Maybe today you're sick and you just want to be better. Without patience, we could lose our temper, we could say something we regret, or actually we could even just each day get a little bit resentful or bitter as we don't see results in certain areas that we thought we would have seen results by now. In this passage today, James is writing to new Christians. They've recently come to faith, but they're being persecuted for their faith. And what's happened is they've been driven out of their homes in Jerusalem and they've been scattered all over the place. Now this is really stressful circumstances. They've been uh, isolated from friends and family. They've lost their income. They're thrown into this new way of life and everything they've known has been disrupted. Sounds familiar. And what James says to them is essentially, keep going, be patient. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. It's an outward sign that we've got God's Spirit in us. But fruit doesn't just appear, it has to grow. Today, we're going to look at three different circumstances, which I believe we can grow in our patience. Firstly, patience in waiting. Waiting is hard, right? Who actually likes to wait? When have you gone to the office on a Monday morning and you've greeted your colleague and you've said, hey, how are you doing? And they've said, you know what? I've had the best morning. You know, I got stuck in the jam on Tun just before the tunnel. I was there for about 75 minutes and it was the best start to my day. No one likes to wait. I'm the person who gets my wife to stand in a different line at the grocery store to optimize our chances of getting served first. But what we find time and time again about God's nature is that he really isn't that bothered about speed. James says here, be patient brothers and sisters until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. We all know farming's hard. It's not like the farmer can just throw out some seed and then sit back and chill for the best part of a year and expect the crop to grow. No, it takes hard work. He has to go out day after day, prep the soil, sow the seed, daily investing in the land. But only once the appropriate season has come, once the necessary amount of time has passed, does the farmer see results. So when we think of patience in the context of the farmer, it's not passive. It's not sitting back and hoping for the best. It's active. It's patience in working. And this patience is a vital ingredient in the farmer scene, the fruit of his labor. The modern world is an incredible place. Technological advancements and inventions have meant that we are productive, that we're efficient, but it's also meant that we're usually in quite a bit of a hurry. You know, If you think back way back in time, before someone decided that each day should be divided into 24 hours, and in reducing us all to the world of nine to five, well, People used to get up when the sun rose, and they went to sleep when the sun set. The rhythm of the year was based on nature and seasons and agriculture. And then when the clock was invented, well, that eventually signaled the start of man-made time. And things like, we didn't rely on our bodies to waken us, we now rely on our alarm clocks to awaken us. Or think of the light bulb, for example. The light bulb now means that we don't have to stop working when it gets dark, we can stretch out our day and work right through the night. We used to walk everywhere, now we get in a car. We used to write by hand, now we send voice memos. We used to grow, prepare and cook our meals, now we get grab food delivery. I am so glad that I live now, however, some things are better not on next day delivery. Did you notice in this passage, the crop is referred to as valuable. If the farmer gets fed up or he cuts corners or he tries to harvest the crop a moment too soon, he's going to miss out on the valuable crop. Things of value often take time to grow. God doesn't always lead us on the path of least resistance. He's got us on the path of most value. What's the valuable crop for you today? Well, we can probably all think of the things that we want, but thankfully, God knows exactly what we need. And that's the beauty of these verses. We sow the seed. We faithfully invest day after day into the land of our lives that God has given us. But when we allow him to grow the crop, we know that it will be at the right time and in the right season, and it will be the crop of God greatest value. Secondly, this passage is a reminder to have patience with others. Verse 8 says, you too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Throughout this passage, James is referring to the readers as brothers and sisters. This isn't because they were all biologically related. This is because we're reminded that we are the family of God and we're called to be united. And remember the context that James is speaking into. These people, they're stressed, dispersed, separated, adjusting to their very own first century new normal. And what James points out here is something to steer clear of. Grumbling. What a brilliant word. It's interesting that he didn't say, brothers and sisters, don't argue, or brothers and sisters, don't fight. No, James has identified grumbling as one of the greatest potential threats to our relationships. He's saying, don't moan about each other under your breath. Don't let impatience with those around you seep out through irritated comments or mutters. In the middle of trying circumstances, we need to stick together and we need to be patient with one another. But how do we grow in our patience with others in a season where we might think grumbling is justified? When I think about the times I'm impatient, it's generally because I'm considering my needs, my desires, my schedule. But when I contrast that with the times where other people show me patience, they're prioritizing my needs my desires, my schedule. Impatience is inward, it's self-focused. But patience is outward, it's other-focused. I'm married to Abby. We've been married for six years. And before that, we dated for seven years. And before that, we grew up in the same town, same church, the same school. We've known each other a really, really long time. And across that time, we've grown similar in many ways. But we're also quite different in others. I'm an internal processor. So that means that I think about things a lot. I have to get my thoughts straight in my head before they come out my mouth. Abby, however, she's an external processor. She speaks in order to process. So she has conversations to really figure out what she thinks. And as with most relationships, you can imagine we've had to work on our communication. But what I found out recently is that whenever I'm having a very internal, frustratingly quiet day, Abby, after asking me a question, will count to five in her head. And this isn't like counting to five as a warning signal of she's going to explode if I don't answer. No, her counting to five, firstly, allows me the time to process my answer. But secondly, gives her space to not interrupt or follow up with another question. In doing this, it not only develops patience in Abby, but it shows me kindness. She's putting me first. What we often find is that patience is a catalyst for kindness. So we can grow in patience through putting others first and through keeping an outward perspective. But secondly, verse 8 tells us to stand firm. One particular translation says, establish your hearts. So often when it comes to patience, we think of it like a measure or an amount. Okay, imagine I've got a bucket here. So I've got a bucket and we have our uh, our bucket and we take our bucket to wherever we go to fill it up, to get our fill of patience, whether it's a day off or a holiday or just 30 minutes watching a Netflix show with the door closed, keeping the kids out. Whatever it is, we fill it up and we bring it back. And then gradually, whether that's slowly or quickly, our bucket begins to diminish. The amount of patience in our bucket gets less and less as we use it up on those around us. But what would it look like if patience wasn't a bucket, but we were actually piped in to the water supply? Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3 says, Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted or established by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. This Psalm isn't saying, Swing by the stream every so often, bring your bucket, get it filled up. No, it's saying, plant yourself beside the stream, and the stream here is God. When we plant ourselves in God, when we fix ourselves in Him, we're not going to Him to get what we need every so often. No, we're planting ourselves and bringing every aspect of our life with us, planting it there as well. This sounds great, right? But what does this look like? Day to day, when we're caring for our parents, or when we're under pressure with the work deadline, or when we're overseeing our kids' online learning whilst trying to look present on a Zoom call and cooking dinner with our feet. How do we plant ourselves in God? Well, like anything of value, it takes time. But today, you can start with simple disciplines of bringing Him into every situation through prayer. It might be through reading the Bible to be reminded of how we should live each day or perhaps through worshipping throughout your week. And what that will do is just realign our perspective. All these things help us to stand firm and to remain established. When we invest in our relationship with God, we'll also see the fruit in our relationships with others. We don't have to live With limited patience. We have an unlimited supply direct from the source. Thirdly, and finally, this passage reminds us to have patience in suffering. This year has been really hard. It's been difficult for many of us in different ways, and the arrival of COVID-19 didn't signal the end of all our pre-pandemic problems. So how do we live patiently in the middle of suffering. Well, verses 10 and 11 say this. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Okay, so who's Job and why is he mentioned here? Well, just like the farmer was an example of patience, James is using the prophets as another example. And the prophets were the people that God used to speak through in the Old Testament, and Job was one of them. You can go and check Job out. He's got his very own book, but essentially he was a great guy. He was loved, he was respected in society, and he was also honored by God. But what happened, Job, was he began to face suffering. He lost his wife. He lost his kids. He lost his fortune. He even suffered physical pain. And in the middle of this suffering, he began to question God. He asked the questions we would expect. Why me? Why is this happening? What have I done? It's not fair. And as Job gets angry with God and wrestles with his suffering, God shows up. And in a bit of a sarcastic way, he shows up to Job and he says, oh, okay, Job, You think you know everything? You think you can run the world, is it? Okay, well, tell me this. When was the last time you told the sea not to come further than the shore? Or when was the last time you checked that the sun would set at the right time? Or when have you last gone into space to check that the planets are still in orbit? And God lists all these questions about the universe, almost like a job description of master of the world. And eventually, Job gets it. Oh, God is holding quite a lot together. God reminds Job of the vast and complex nature of the whole universe. But he also reminds him that he has his eye on every single detail. Maybe today you're going through something difficult. Maybe something has come into your life. You're not quite sure how you'll cope with, or maybe something's been taken away from you and you're hurting and you're sad. Well, the comfort for you today is God cares. God holds every minuscule detail of this vast and complex universe, but that means he also holds me and he also holds you. God knows and cares for every fiber of your being and every circumstance that you will face, right down to the very last detail. So often we want answers from God, right? We want to know why, but actually what God wants from us is trust. This is where faith comes in. Really interestingly, the word patience in this passage is a Greek word, Hippomone, And it's actually better described as an expectant patience or a faith-filled patience. Oswald Chambers says that faith is not a pathetic sentiment, but a robust, vigorous confidence built on the fact that God is holy love. You cannot see him just now, you cannot understand what he is doing, but you know him. And faith has a big part to play when it comes to patience and suffering because faith shifts our focus from the why to the who. We're no longer asking, why is this happening to me? Instead, we're saying, God, I trust who you are. And when we get to know God, when we know his character, when we know that he is good and that he is love, we can trust him with faith-filled patience. And that's the very reason James has included this example of Job in the passage. We learn who God is through seeing his faithfulness proved in those who've gone before us, but also in looking back at our own lives and seeing God always bringing us through. We live in a tension that's often described as the now and the not yet. God's kingdom here in part, but not yet here in full. And sometimes that's why when we pray, we'll see incredible breakthroughs and miraculous healing, but sometimes we won't. And several times, James speaks about the Lord's coming. It kind of frames this whole passage. And this isn't a threat that he's holding over our heads in order to scare us into being patient people. No, he's saying, the Lord is coming. Ultimate hope is on its way. A time when we won't need patience and waiting because we won't be waiting on anything. A time when we won't need patience in our relationships because we will live in perfect relationship. And a time when we won't need patience in suffering because there won't be any suffering. By Jesus first coming into this world and through us believing in his death and in his resurrection, we can know the hope of eternity with him. And although we're not there yet, it's coming. There's a verse in Hebrews which I find really encouraging throughout this whole season. And it's Hebrews 6, verse 12. And it says, Don't allow your hearts to grow dull or lose your enthusiasm, but follow the example of those who fully received what God has promised because of their strong faith and patience. Endurance. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you hold every detail of this earth. You hold each one of us in your hands. And wherever we need patience today, Lord, would we find ourselves planted and established in you come Holy Spirit, would you fill us now? Wherever you are, if you can, why don't you stand? Why don't you hold out your hands and almost mentally just turn your attention towards God and just pray, come Holy Spirit.